0: Uh, Today we are continuing our series entitled, What's That Sound? What's That Sound? And Pastor Dustin preached a phenomenal message on the sound of unity uh, last week. How many of you were blessed by that word? It's absolutely incredible. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 6 in verse 20 today. If you uh, turn there or look at the screen, Joshua chapter 6 verse 20 says this, When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, And the sound of the trumpet. And when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. When the men gave a loud shout, or when the men released a sound, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They made a sound, and the walls fell down. There's something powerful about your sound. There's something powerful about a believer using their Voice. In fact, this is the first principle that God communicated in Scripture, one of the first I should say, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness hovered over the face of the deep. And Genesis 1, 2 says, God said, Let there be light. So God's response to darkness was to speak. In Genesis chapter 1, the answer for darkness was a sound. In Joshua chapter 6, the key to breakthrough was a sound. And I believe in 2023, on March 19th, the key to breakthrough, the answer for darkness, the answer for confusion, the answer for the broken world that we live in is still a sound that comes from the body of Christ. And I want to I break this down for you. We've been saying this every week, but we believe it's so important to let you know there's a difference between a sound and noise. So we're not just being loud for the sake of being loud, even though we do like it loud here at Church 1132. In Joshua chapter 6, it was not volume that brought the walls down. It was not the, the increase of decibels that brought the walls down. It was the increase in obedience. That when God gives us a word and we respond in obedience, that releases power in your life and around your life. And so we believe as a church, and really as the church, uh, the, the capital C church, God has given us three sounds that we're called to release. Number one, we're called to release a sound of praise, you heard about this from Pastor Steve a couple of, of weeks ago. How many of you love Pastor Steve and Lisa? You guys are so incredible. I heard about the sound of praise. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to have to be coerced into praise. I don't want to have to be convinced to praise or prodded into praise. The psalmist said it like this, his praise will ever be on my lips. I want to wake up in the morning with praise. Your praise is powerful. Your praise breaks strongholds. David said it like this, God is great and greatly to be praised. So the way that you see God will always determine the way that you praise. If God is okay, you'll give him okay praise. If God is mediocre, you'll give him mediocre praise. If God is passive or uninvolved, you'll give him passive, uninvolved praise. But if God is great, come on Church 1132, we will give him great praise. we want to release a sound of praise. Number two, we want to release a sound of prayer. I mean, you know, prayer changes things. Prayer can move mountains. Second Chronicles says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves in what? pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways I will hear from heaven I will forgive their sin I will heal their land what a great promise that the healing of our land is actually contingent not on chance or luck but the prayers of his people I believe it's powerful and I think it's important who's in the oval office but what's more important is who's in their prayer closet and if the body of Christ will learn how to pray everything would start to change And finally, we are called to release a sound of preaching. And that's what I'm talking about today, the sound of preaching. And the reason why we're doing this series is not so that you would be informed as a church of what sounds we're called to carry. But the reason why we're doing this series is we're believing for all three of these sounds to be activated in your life. May we be a people of praise, a people of prayer, and a people who preach and share the gospel. So that's what we're talking about today, the sound of preaching. And let me just start by making a statement that might shock you. It's this, you are called to preach. Maybe you're looking over your shoulder, you're like, no, he's talking about somebody else, surely. I may not mean that you're called to stand up on stage and exegete scripture or raise your voice or hold a microphone. But every single believer in Jesus is called to carry the message of Jesus to a lost, hurting, dying, broken world. In fact, imagine this. Imagine the person that you honor and value the most is passing from this life to the next, Maybe a grandfather or a grandmother and they pull you close to their deathbed and they say, before I go, I want to tell you this. How many of you know their last words you're going to carry a little bit more weight for you? And you're going to write those things down and you're going to hold them heavy in your heart. Well, I want to look at the last words today that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he ascended to the heavens. He says this in Mark chapter 16, in verse 15. Mark chapter 16 In verse 15, he says, Go and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's a a similar passage in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. We call it the Great Commission. He says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them everything that I've taught you to obey my commands and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Mark's gospel ends like this. Matthew's gospel ends like this. Luke uh, continues his narrative into Acts chapter 1. He says, you're going to be witnesses in Judea Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus, before he passed on, said, before before I go, remember this one thing. Don't keep the gospel to yourself. If ever we have needed the body of Christ to stand up and use their voice, it is right now. I'm gonna tell you right now, we don't just need a sound, we need your sound. We can't, we are, I believe we're in the most pivotal time in all of history. And if we've ever needed your voice, it's right now. The world is darker than it's ever been, so we need you to shine brighter than you ever have. When the world looks like Rome, the church has to look like the book of Acts. And so we need you in the game. It's great that you cheer for. From the sidelines but it's time to lace up it's time to put on your gear and get on the field we need your voice you've got something to say you've got a voice you've got a message and so today I want to talk about the sound of preaching and I believe every single believer whether you feel like you're called to stand on a stage and preach or you feel called to business every single believer in Jesus is called to preach in two different ways here's number one we are called to preach with our lives. Preach with your life. First John 3:18 says, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. That's gonna how I'm gonna start greeting one another. I'm gonna start greeting you guys with that. Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth. By our actions. In other words, don't just preach this message. Live this thing out. I'm gonna warn you, this is gonna be a real simple message. I think simple things can change the world if we'll put them into practice. James said it like this: don't just be a hearer of the word, but what? Be a be a doer of the word. Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men. We've gotta be a people who actually live this thing. Out who put this into practice the world is tired of people who do not live out what they sell we've got too many people like that in the world it's it's the life coach that has not lived much life yet it's the financial advisor that does not take their own advice i used to sell roofs before i even had a roof that i owned We've had enough people who sell something that they don't actually have. I remember one time my wife and I, we were uh, walking into this coffee shop, and we love this coffee shop. It's a great vibe, great coffee, and, uh, and we see the name of the coffee shop, and underneath the name is their mission. We are the kind Cafe. And uh, again, this is a great place. I just probably encountered some wrong people. And so we walk into this place. I'm like, oh my gosh, the kind cafe. These people are about to be the nicest people ever. I walk in and kindness is everywhere. They've got quotes about kindness on the walls. They're wearing merch that says kind army. And I'm thinking I'm about to encounter a kindness. That I have never previously encountered in my life, and so I start getting a little nervous, a little giddy, little butterflies in there. And, and so I walk up to the I walk up to the to the counter to order, and I'm nervous. My hands are sweating, and my heart is palpitating. And I lock our eyes with the barista, and she locks uh, locks eyes with me. I lift my hands to receive, and she says to me, "What do you want?" <laughs> I, was, I thought this was the kind cafe. I was so frazzled I ordered a pizza. I didn't know what to do. No, I ordered my drink. I don't remember what I ordered. It was I was probably something really manly. I was like, "Give me a black coffee. Make it disgusting. I wanted it to taste terrible." Either that or I ordered a hot cocoa with extra whip and sprinkles. I can't remember one of those two things, but I ordered my drink, and they make it without smiling. They hand it to me, and they're just like, okay, bye. And I was just like, I remember my wife and I walking out laughing, saying, man, they said they were the kind cafe, but they were anything but kind. And here was the principle that I learned, is that you can have a great mission to be kind. But when the mission and the action are at war with one another, the mission actually becomes a joke. And we've got a great mission in the body of Christ to bring light to darkness and healing to sickness and liberty to those who are captive. We've got a great mission to carry the message of Jesus to a broken world. But when our mission and our action are at war with one another, it's no wonder why the world looks at us and laughs. And I believe God wants to take us from big talk to big obedience. He's saying, I'm going to give you the grace and the power to actually live this thing out. William Booth said it like this, faith and works should travel side by side. Step, answering to step, like the legs of a man, walk, man walking, first faith, then works, then faith again, then works again, until they can scarcely distinguish which one is one and which is the other. This is everything. Because we've got a lot of believers in the church that say, you know, I got the merch, and I know the verses, and I know the scriptures, and I know the songs, and I can lift my hands, but there's oftentimes war between our actions and our mission. Brennan Manning is famous for saying this, that the greatest cause of atheism is not Darwin. The greatest cause of atheism is not evolution in our schools. The greatest cause of atheism is Christians who acknowledge him with their lips and deny him with their lives. And so I'm just praying, I'm preaching to myself today, but I'm praying that we would be a people who are marked, not by our ability to do a beautiful service or to preach a good message or to sing a beautiful song. May we be a people who are marked by the fruit of the Spirit. May we be a people who are marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't want to be known for how good I can preach or how loud I am or my ability to Lead. I want to be known by my love. Can I tell you something the way you treat your kids is a sermon. Our our actions speak so much louder than our words. The way that you treat your spouse that's a sermon. The way that you respond when people start gossiping at work that's a sermon. The if you put your your grocery cart back where the grocery cart goes or leave it in the middle of the that's a that's a sermon how you treat your waiter or your waitress friends it's a sermon we we should be more kind than anybody else more loving than anybody else how much you tip your waiter or your waitress it's a it's a sermon it's a message how we respond to people we disagree with it's a sermon and the world is looking at us and collecting data what are they learning of the people that you encounter will not read the scripture, but every single one of them will read you. And so I and, and this is like based on the response that I'm getting from you, I can I can tell that at Church 1132 we are a people who are just sick and tired of dead religion. We're so sick of lip service. We're done with double mindedness, and we're just declaring by faith. Nobody's going to love like we love. No one's going to serve like we serve. No one's going to pray like we pray. No one's going to respond like we respond. No one's going to praise like we praise. No one's going to sacrifice like we sacrifice. Because Jesus makes us different. You know, Jesus. Jesus changes everything that he encounters. I want you to imagine for a moment that I'm late to this service, that I'm supposed to do the transition, and uh, you're looking, and you don't see Pastor John, and I walk in 15 minutes late. You guys are just standing there, just sitting there, just looking at the stage, waiting for something. And I come in and uh, I come in fifteen minutes late, and I say, "Hey guys, I'm so sorry I missed this. Um, I was on my way here, and I got a flat tire. I pulled over to the side of the road, and I started changing my tire. And as I was changing my tire, uh, uh, a little bolt came into the or a little lug nut rolled into the middle of the road, and I went and got it, and I got hit by a semi truck going 75 miles per hour, and it threw me 30 yards. And that's why I'm late. And I look like this, and I'm talking like this." You would look at me like I'm either a liar or like I'm crazy. Why? Because nobody can encounter something that big and be unchanged. And yet, many people in the body of Christ they say I've encountered this God, but our lives look no different. And I'm here to tell you that when you encounter His goodness, He's big enough to change you. He's good enough to save you. He's powerful enough to free you. When you encounter this God, everything starts to change. That's why Jacob starts limping when he encounters God. He says, "When you encounter me, you're going to walk different." That's why Moses starts shining when he encounters God, because when you encounter Him, you're going to look different we cannot just preach with our words we have to be a people who preach with our preach with our lives and when we preach with our lives this is so cool it's going to open up the door and people are going to look at us as the body of Christ and they're going to ask the question what's different about you why do you love like that why do you serve like that why do you have joy like that and friends this is where the door opens up for us to do number two Preach with our words. Preach with our words. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, it says, how then can they call on the one in whom they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? How will they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I think I found that most people can get on board with the fact that we preach with our lives. Uh, most people are like, yeah, we should be kind and we should be gentle and we should be loving and we should be generous and all of those things. But I wanna share this with you and I think this is important and I don't know how it's gonna hit. It could go really good and it might you know, not go so great. Uh, but, but here's the reality is nobody has been saved on kindness alone. It, it went about how I thought it would. Nobody on on generosity alone, generosity alone has never brought somebody through the gates of heaven. Jesus made it clear, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and nobody can come to the Father except through me. John chapter 3 and verse 16, whosoever believes in me shall have everlasting life. So the way to salvation is not just to see nice people. The way to salvation is to believe the gospel, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and confess with your mouth. And so our kindness is what opens up the door to share the message of the gospel. It is us preaching with our life. That's not the end. That's the means to the end where we get to share the message that actually changes their life. I'll illustrate it to you. Imagine you're on a cruise ship. And you're eating dinner on this cruise ship and you look over and you see a man who's hanging out next to the railing and maybe he's had a little bit too much to drink and he's stumbling and a moment he stumbles and he falls over the railing and falls into the water. People in the first service were like concerned, like this is not a true story, it's just a (laughs) pretend. Someone was like, gasp. Imagine you see this man fall into the water. You heroically run over to him. You look down into the water, and he's fighting to stay above the waves. And and you look over, and you see a life raft, the only thing that can save him. And then you look down, and instead of throwing out the life raft, you throw out a compliment. Hey, you look really nice today. I notice you were having dinner with your spouse. The bill is on me. Imagine you start complimenting this person. Now, if I'm the person in the water fighting to stay above the waves, I'm going to look up at you and I'm going to say thank you for the compliment. Thank you for the generosity. But the thing that can save me is the life raft. The thing that can save me is the gospel. Friends, our life opens up the door to give us credibility and influence to share the message that actually changes their life. So it's great that we're kind. It's great that we're generous. But it is all a means to an end called the gospel. And I think we've got people who do either or. We've got people who preach with their life but not with their words. Those pe- and, and it results in people not knowing God. Other people preach with their words, but not with their life, and it results in people knowing the wrong God. And so we've got to be a people who don't just preach with our life, but preach with our words. I'm going to give you four practical tips on evangelism. How can I share the gospel with my friends, my relatives, uh, my colleagues, my neighbors? Here's number one. Start with love. Start with love. If you don't love the people you're preaching to, you're wasting your time and theirs. That's why before I preach, I pray a prayer. I say, God, help me to love you the way that you love them. Help, help me to love your people the way that you love. Because if I don't love you, then this is going to... It's going to come across as, uh, as harsh and crude and mean. And the reality is we've got to love the people that we, that we preach to. First Corinthians 13 says this, If I speak with the tongue of men and angels, but I don't have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, if we don't have love, we are noise. We are not a sound. Have you ever seen those street preachers on the side of the road and they've got the signs up saying, Repent or Perish. They've got the bullhorns and they're yelling at people. I've never seen somebody walking by, stop in their tracks and been like, you know what? You're right. Let me surrender my life to Jesus. Why? Because without love, we're not effective. Here's number two. So start with love. Here's number two. Build a bridge. Don't burn the bridge. In other words, if your goal is to win arguments, you will lose people. I spent a lot of time in my teenage years studying on apologetics and how to defend my faith and how to convince somebody that God is real. And not only that God is real, but it's the God of the Bible. And I would back people into these philosophical corners and I would be right. And then I would lose them. They'd be be like, you're just mean. And oftentimes I've seen people win arguments and lose people. So we want to not burn a bridge, but build a bridge with our kindness. Here's number three, share the message. Share the message of the gospel. Here's two simple ways uh, that you can open up the door to share the message with people. Offer to pray for them. You know, every single time you see darkness at work, it's an invitation to step in with light. If you see someone that is sick, that's an invitation for you to carry healing. If you see somebody that is anxious, it's an invitation for you to release peace. See somebody who is depressed, it's an invitation for you to release joy. And so share the message by offering to pray for them and then that opens the door to the gospel. Another simple line that you can share with people is, hey, I just want you to know Jesus loves you and he has a plan for your life. And sometimes people will be like, get away from me. And sometimes people will say, you know what, that means a lot. I've been needing some prayer lately. And then open. Opens up the door to the gospel. I know this is a basic message, but if we can grab a hold of this, twelve people got grabbed a hold of this in Scripture, and it changed the whole world. So if a few of us can grab this, I promise you, it's going to make a difference. Here's number four: trust the power of the gospel. Trust the power of the gospel. I, I, I know maybe you're here today. You're like, I'm not eloquent. I don't know the scripture that well. I don't know how I could speak to somebody. I want to show you a scripture to encourage you. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because I can speak really, really well to people. No, 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 it doesn't say that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. The good news is whether you're eloquent or not eloquent, whether you feel really sharp on the scriptures or you feel like you're a beginner, God visits the gospel with power every single time. In the same way he attaches his presence to praise, he attaches power to the gospel. And so you don't have to be fearful of sharing it, wondering are you going to be effective or not. Or not. When you share the gospel, there is power attached to it. We've got to get back to sharing the gospel. And this is not a heavy thing. What a joy it is to tell the greatest story. What a joy it is to carry a message of hope. What a joy it is. What an honor it is to bring life death, What an honor it is to bring light to darkness, to confront sickness with healing. We've got the greatest message ever, and it should be so fun sharing this message. And this is why I say it that way, because I grew up in an environment where evangelism messages were always really heavy. The evangelists would come in, they'd be like, people are going to hell every day, and it's your fault. They always had southern accents, no matter where they were from. Be from New York, and he's like, I'm here to tell you today. <laughs> People are going to hell, and it's your fault. And I'd be like, bro, I'm nine years old. <laughs> he's like, I don't care weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's on you. <laughs> we had this one evangelist come in, and he told me, you only need two questions when it comes to evangelism. Number one is, have you ever felt the power of God? Number two was, would you like to? So here I am, 12-year-old John walking into Walmart. I'm like trying to connect with him first, walk into the fishing aisle, walk up to this guy, and I'm just like, what's up, man? He's like, what's up? And I'm like, you like fishing? He's like, yeah, man. Like, yeah, same, same, same. You ever felt the power of God? (laughs) Follow-up question, would you like to? I got it right here. And then you were supposed to put your hands on him and yell fire real loud and hope something happened in the middle of Walmart. If you know, you know. We used to do this thing called door-to-door evangelism where I like to call it anxiety. They make me go and knock on a door and they'd answer up confused like, what is this child selling? And I'd be like, if you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? Evangelism was always really heavy. I was always super stressed and fearful and anxious, and I was nervous. Believe it or not, I haven't always been this passionate about the gospel. In fact, I've spent a lot of my life very nervous to do what I'm doing right now. And so maybe you're here today, and you're like, I'll preach with my life, but there's no way I'm sharing the gospel with people. I'm too fearful. The reality is, I get it. I was there too, and guess what? The disciples were as well. Which is why Jesus said, Jesus knew we would be timid. Jesus knew we would need help. Jesus knew that we would be fearful to share this message. And so he says this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. I want to show you this. He says, but you shall receive power. I know you're fearful. I know you're scared. I know it's not easy to be courageous. I've got something for you. Before you go, take my gospel to Judea and Samaria. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they are believing for this power. And so the disciples gather together. Acts chapter 2, they gather together in this upper room, and they're waiting. And they're praying, and they're expectant, and they're fearful. Jesus has just been crucified. There's persecution. Just like there's persecution today, even a greater level of persecution was happening in those days. And they're fearful. And all of a sudden, as they're waiting in this upper room, 120 of them, the Bible says that a rushing, mighty wind began to blow in the room and that wind began to blow, and the Bible says that a fire fell on each one of their heads, and they began to pray in this language, and in that moment as they were praying, as the wind was blowing, and as the fire was falling, God was not birthing a denomination. God was initiating a movement that would change everything, and these disciples who were once fearful, and scared, and timid, timid and denying Christ, all of a sudden they're infused with power and boldness and courage, and they stand up and preach the gospel. Peter, who was afraid to declare the gospel to a little girl, stands up in front of 3,000 people and declares the message with boldness. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it changes everything. So I know that you're here today, and you're like, man, I'm feeling fearful, and I don't know that I can do this. Guess what? I was in the same boat, and the power of God changed everything for me. I remember I was, like I said, I used to be fearful. I used to be timid. I used, I used to not want to share the gospel. And then I, I remember I was in a service kind of like this. Years ago, I act like I'm so old. It was, it was ages ago. <laughs> Many moons ago. And the preacher's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, if you want to receive this power, come, come forward. And so I came forward. And I remember this preacher laying his hands on me and praying for me to be filled with the Spirit. And I remember encountering a power like I had never felt before. And it doesn't happen like this for everybody, but I remember for me, I walked out of that service trembling. I was laying in my bed trembling. I remember tears streaming down my face and I just knew in my gut that everything was about to change. And I woke up the next morning with a passion to preach the gospel, with a fire to preach the gospel. And I started going to my friends and sharing the gospel. I, start, I started going to strangers. I started praying for people. Y'all, I was a madman. I would walk into the grocery store with anointing oil on my hands just looking for a victim. I've, cha- I've grown in tactfulness since then. I started preaching at churches I was not invited to. I remember knocking on a lady's door one time. I said, hey, ma'am, can I, I'm just going around talking about Jesus. Can I pray for you? And she said, well, actually, I'm a part of a different religion. We don't believe in Jesus, and, uh, and we don't meet in a church. We actually meet in this house right now, uh, and we're meeting with all of our people right now. And I thought, that's amazing. I've never preached at one of these churches before. So I just kind of stepped in a little bit and shared the gospel with these people. They didn't take up an offering, talk back, or invite me back, but I shared the gospel with them. I I I would preach to people that did not Want the gospel? I preached in churches I wasn't invited to. I can remember uh, preaching in churches like this, any opportunity I would get, and when no one was inviting me to preach, I would go to my brother's church late at night, and I would preach to an empty room. And I know that you're like, man, that sounds kind of weird, but Jeremiah said it like this, it's like a fire shut up in my bones, and I can't hold it in. I'm telling you, ever since that day, I encountered the power of God, the presence of God, the infilling of the Spirit. I cannot stop preaching this message. And I'm going to tell you, it's not because it's my job. You could take this mic, could take these lights, take this stage. You cannot take the gospel. And I want you to know it's not because I'm like this noble, courageous man, like God took all of my fear in that moment. Literally this morning before the 845 service, I'm like trembling. I'm like, okay, God, you're going to anoint me again? You empower me to do this again, I still get fearful. I'm still broken. I'm still flawed. And his spirit still does the work. So I've got good news for you. If you need the gospel, if you want to share the gospel with people, it's not our own human strength or wisdom. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives you courage to do it. He takes the faithless, and he gives them faith. I'm here to testify. He takes the insecure, and he gives them courage. He takes the broken, and he heals them. God will take your courage. Courageous-less, scared spirit and he'll turn you into a man of God or a woman of God that shares the gospel everywhere that you go. I've got good news for you. So maybe you're like, that's good for the disciples. That's good for you. I'm still scared. <laughs> I remember I was reading in Acts chapter two and I'm seeing this story about the wind God asked me a question. He said, can you show me the verse where the wind stopped blowing? So I'm looking in Acts chapter 2 and I don't see it, Acts chapter 3. I don't see it. Acts 4, 5, 6. I look through the letters of Paul. I I study the book of Revelation. I even search the maps to see if there was something in there. And I could not find the verse that says, The wind of God stopped blowing, which tells me this, friends, that the wind of God that blew in Acts chapter 2 and infused the disciples with courage is actually blowing in this room. I want you to know power is available to you right now. I feel it in this room. You just got to reach up and grab it. Strength is available. Available to you right now you just got to reach up and grab it courage is available to you right now and if you would lift up your sails the wind of god will take you to into the place that you're called to go the sound of preaching does not just come from preachers pastors leaders or teachers it should come from you